Hello and welcome to These Are The Things. These Are The Things is a podcast about podcasts. It's about what's going on in social media or what's going on in the arts and entertainment world in general. But most of all, it's about escapism, about where we can go to block out the real world or find out more about the real world, depending on your mood. So it's just a place for you to come each week where I give you recommendations, but you can also get give me recommendations on what to watch, what to read or what to listen to by contacting me at these are three, that's the number three, at gmail.com. So let's get started. So I'm going to start with a podcast. Now it's a podcast that is hardly fresh, but it may not, you, many of you may not know about him. It, it's called Dear Joan and Jerrica. Joan and Jerrica are ladies, I would say, possibly in their late 50s, early 60s. They have worked in the fields of life coaching, female sexual health, counselling, sports journalism. They have a wealth of knowledge really from over over the past 32 years between them. Joan has been married several times and has five children while Jerrica has been married for 30 years and has her only daughter Cardinal. Joan recently turned her hand to erotic adult literature whilst Jerrica has written five books on depression. Now, while none of that might grab you, you might be interested to learn that Joan and Jerrica are actually played by Julia Davis and Vicky Pemberton. Julia, as many of you will know, is absolutely hilarious from her creations of Nighty Night. Um, Also, Sally Forever. She also had a sketch show with Rob Brydon for a couple of years. She is bold in the Irish sense of the word bold. Um, She is filthy and she brings all of that to the plate in this podcast. It is hilarious and it is absolutely filthy. Be very careful where you listen to this. I would suggest making sure that your headphones are very well secured so that nobody else in public, if you're listening to it in polite company, can hear it but it's very very funny all double meaning um it they are working off the premise that they are um uh, agony ants as you will get gather from the title of the show and they are incredibly judgmental uh women are not their friends i would say uh they are definitely uh chauvinists in their own way and um absolute filth but my God, will you laugh. Um, very uncomfortable listening at some points. It's very cruel and very uncomfortable in the way that Sally, uh, or sorry, Julia Davis can only be cruel and uncomfortable and make you weep with laughter at the same time. Okay, so we'll go from that to something not quite as funny and certainly it's not uplifting, but I think everybody is talking about it and it is a must see, unfortunately, because we got to get a grip on what's happening to this planet. It's David Attenborough's new documentary, the Netflix documentary, A Life on Our Planet. 
It's like a little like the social dilemma. It's not telling us anything that we haven't already heard, especially over the past two years. Um, with thanks to the people like Richard Thunberg, climate change has been very much in the news. So we know what he's going to present us with, and it is a very dark tale. Um, I I didn't find it an easy watch. I was left bereft, um, utterly depressed afterwards. And I, I find this an issue. This documentary is about two hours long. And he goes in, in deep, into showing us just how our planet has disintegrated, really, since he first started making documentaries back in the 1950s, and what we, as humans, have done to the planet. And he carries that on and he educates us on that. And we need to know and we need to be told. And he doesn't let up on that. But then for possibly the last 90 seconds, maybe more, maybe he goes into three minutes, he does the grandfatherly thing of putting his arm around us and telling us that everything's going to be okay and that everyone in the planet changes their ways and never gets on a plane again and never eats meat again and, you know, never has a shower that lasts longer than four minutes and 30 seconds. We can do this. We can turn around to the planet. But it, he gives us hope. But at that stage, I watched this on Sunday morning and to be quite honest with you, at that stage, I thought I, I couldn't really see much hope in anything. Certainly not in the world that we're in at the moment where we're, we're constantly get, quenching one fire and I'm not talking about climate change fires, I'm talking about economic fires, COVID fires, everything else that's around us. It was all a bit much. Um, perhaps he'll do another one. If we, we could do with a whole two hours of how to save the planet, of how we can do this and get us into the right frame of mind rather than just educating us on just how bad everything is. We need we need a balance with this. It's just a personal opinion, but I personally felt absolutely devastated by that documentary. And again, as I mentioned, like The Social Dilemma, it was not telling us anything that we hadn't known. But getting that over a period of two hours, it just felt like a constant punch in the face. One that we need, we all need to wake up to this. But I think two minutes of just telling us that everything's going to be okay again wasn't enough. Okay, so you know what? With David Attenborough, he's extraordinary and it does sound like I'm actually belting him across the face. Poor old 94-year-old David. I'm not. He's Everybody adores him. He, he'll do okay. But we know very little about him. You know, he keeps his private life private. I think he was possibly came from that lucky generation that you did your job. You could become famous for it, but nobody um, pushed their nose in where it wasn't wanted. And he, he seemed to manage that. He's had an extraordinary life. Uh, he started as a zoologist. He then moved to the BBC, started making those documentaries that I've spoken about. But then he was made head of BBC Two. And it is thanks to David Attenborough that we have comedies like Monty Python. I mean, the scope and breadth of his career is phenomenal. But I got to really delve into 
what he is like as a person by listening to an old Desert Island Discs. Well, in Desert Island Discs terms, it's actually quite recent. It's 2012, where he spoke to Kirsty Young. He spoke about his wife, Jane, who we really knew very little about, but she was the person who kept the show on the road, because what we forget is back when David was making those documentaries for the BBC in the 60s, 70s, 80s, sometimes he could be gone for over three months. And he was not in places where there was a phone line. And this was far before we ever had mobile phones. So when he was gone, he was really gone. And she was left holding the family fort together. He also spoke about his parents, um, who were themselves incredible figures. His dad was a formidable figure, but it seemed to work. He had three sons, each as successful as the next. David, as we all know about, Richard, the Oscar-winning director, and John, who was the CEO of Rolls-Royce for many years, and Range Rover as well. Incredibly successful. But he spoke about his mother, who was a suffragette in her time. But during the war, she set up homes for orphans coming from Germany. And they had two girls who were initially just meant to stay with them for a few weeks before getting a boat to New York. But just before they were to get their boat, another boat actually sank and they ended up adopting these two girls. So a family of three boys suddenly had two young girls and he spoke about how that changed their life. A phenomenal character and a lovely insight into the man because I think we just get him as the grandfatherly figure now, just educating us on wildlife and climate change. But a lovely, I really got a lovely sense of the man, and that seems to be such a gift that Desert Island Discs has given us throughout the years. Well, to be totally honest with you, on Sunday after watching that documentary, I was left completely and utterly on the floor and I needed picking up and I wasn't really guaranteed that something would be able to pick me up at the floor but thankfully somebody sent me the YouTube um, clip of Saturday Night Live. I Saturday Night Live doesn't always do it for me in fact I'll go so far as to say it very rarely does but this one this sketch was absolutely incredible. It is with Alec Baldwin and Jim Carrey um, Uh, performing the debate of Trump and Biden. It is hysterically funny. I'm not going to uh, give you a clip. I'm not going to tell you anything about it. Just go there and take 15 minutes out of your day and just watch it unfold. It is absolutely hilarious. Keeping it a little bit bright, I suppose, I wanted some escapism and I went to Netflix and I looked at Emily in Paris. It's got a huge amount of publicity because it's a Netflix-owned production and it is with Lily Collins. Now, I spent the first five minutes of this debating whether it was Lily Collins, Suki Waterhouse or Emma Roberts. They all seem to look incredibly alike and I think particularly Suki Waterhouse and Lily Collins seem to come from the actress-models career. So, they, they have similar careers as well as similar looks, but it is Lily Collins. And for those of us of a certain generation, she's Phil's daughter. But um, where will we go with Emily in Paris? It has divided opinion. And it is 
beautiful. It it's very very pretty. It's it's very Lily Collins. It is that classic, pretty, perfect, glossy show. And yeah, I think if I was to turn it down and look at it, and had I not knowing anything about it, and if I was asked to guess, I would say this is a Ryan Murphy production. It has that gloss about it, that shine, that extremely camp pretty shiny show but it's not Ryan Murphy it's actually by Darren Starr which probably sense gave me a full sense of hope because I'm off the Sex and the City generation I thought this would be witty and um, clever and give you a little bit of depth with kind of quirkier female characters it doesn't do any of that. It's it's glossy, it's pretty, Paris looks beautiful, it's got that sense that it was probably built on the set of Warner Brothers lot. It probably wasn't, they possibly did go to Paris to film it, but it's got all those primal colours of, uh, of a Ryan Murphy production and none of the depth of a Darren Starr production. And that's where it fell down for me. There's, it's very stereotypical in the way it portrays Paris. It's got absolutely no grit whatsoever. French re- reviewers are absolutely appalled by it. And as I've just smashed it, smashed croissants all over this, I will go to say that some of you will love this. Some of you will absolutely adore it. It's fabulous. There's some escapism. She looks beautiful. First thing in the morning, her hair is glowing. It's perfectly Raphaelite curls coming off. Everything. She looks fantastic. Her shower goes for four days and her skin looks dewy. Everything about this is just perfect. It's the way you want to live your life. But if you're looking for grit, a bit of wish, um, don't go there. It's, I got, I think I got about four episodes in. And that was enough for me. I just, I couldn't deal with it anymore. So, okay, we'll just go and see what's happening in the rest of the world. It seems to have been a week of cancellations um, or postpone, postponing various films. Uh, Cine World has closed 128 cinemas worldwide, unfortunately. Steven Spielberg is delaying West Side Story. Kenneth Branagh is delaying death on the Nile. Everything is being delayed and everything is very, very uncertain. The new James Bond is postponed once again and I'm not the biggest James Bond fan but I think I will probably end up going to see this because it just seems to run from one disaster to another. If you remember, it seems like such a long time ago now, but Danny Boyle left due to creative differences at the very beginning of this production. Um, Then Phoebe Waller-Bridge was brought in, I think, just before production started because they needed to get a feminist twist on that. And it's very, maybe it's telling, maybe it's not. But when she is interviewed, I'm not sure if it's modesty or what, but she seems to distance herself from it um, every time she is interviewed about it. So 
So yeah, so that's it. Yeah, I think you might want to get in touch with me and <laughs> give me a bit of an uplift after that. Um, so if you do have anything you want to recommend, if you have podcasts, and God knows everyone has a podcast now. My dog has a podcast, actually. You should listen to it. Everyone has a podcast. So if you want me to listen to your podcast and recommend it here on These Are The Things, contact me at these are three. That's the number three at gmail.com. Thanks a million. Bye.